0: Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So like I said, we started out talking about spiritual hunger and then we talked about You know, yielding to the Spirit of God. Last night we talked about signs and wonders, what a sign and a wonder is, which is much different than, you know, healings and physical miracles. But signs and wonders can also go over into miracles. But tonight I want to talk to you about something that has to take place deep within each everyone's heart. I want to talk to you about the brokenness of revival. See, sometimes we have this connotation of what we think revival really is and what God wants to do. When you look back in the days of Peter Cartwright and the Cambridge Revival, uh, th- certain things would take place in the services. There were times where the Spirit of God would fall on the congregation and the joy would break out. There were other times where the spirit of God would fall on the congregation and begin, people begin to shake and, and tremble uncontrollably. There were times where a congregation the spirit of God would fall on the congregation some would begin to laugh uncontrollably, some would begin to weep uncontrollably. They, they they would fall on the floor. It was a manifestation. Why why does that take place? Well, any time the supernatural comes in contact with the natural, something's got to give. It's not going to be the supernatural. It's got to be the natural. Every time I've read in the Word of God where God came in contact with man or man came in contact with God, something happened to man. Now, for genuine revival to come. See, Mary told you that for about six months all Pastor Marie did was cry in the services. Just wept, 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 wept. Well, that's because it has to do with the condition of one's heart. Each and every one of us have different pains. You can have pains in your body or you can have pains in your heart. You can experience oppression, depression. You can experience physical sickness, physical things. I say probably the, one of the greatest things in the body, one of the greatest pains in the body of Christ is the condition of one's heart. It really is. Broken over things, broken over family members, disappointments, being stabbed in the back, trust issues. I remember I was in the country of Panama in one of the largest churches back in the late 90s. I preached this message called the Brokenness of Revival. By the end of the service, three to 4,000 people were making their way to the altar. You can hear them weep. You can hear them cry. Some of them were laughing. Some of them, they were rolling on the floor. Demons started manifesting out of people. There is something about when you become broken in your heart. I remember Charles Finney in his memoirs. I have a book. It was back in, I think the book is like 1903 in my library. It's Charles Finney's memoirs. In those memoirs, he talked about him being in a church service, and as he began to preach, suddenly people began to wail and weep uncontrollably. He said the wailing and weeping got so loud that he could not even hear himself preach. Suddenly he shouted at the top of his lungs, Be quiet! You're not in hell yet! But the people wailed all the more. In the footnote, he wrote that he went over to this empty fireplace, stuck a handkerchief over his head, put his head in the fireplace, and started weeping and laughing uncontrollably. Then he coined this phrase after that happened. He said, if the body of Christ can learn to break themselves down because of the pull of the world about every 8 to 12 weeks, we'd have revival all the time. We'd have a move of God all the time. See, being in this world is a very painful, sinful world. And there are painful, sinful things that happen to us. It's, it's what people do to us. We, we deal with unforgiveness. We deal with bitterness. We deal with anger. We deal with resentment all the time. And, and, and so to save face, we pile these things on our heart all the time, all the time. We're piling these things all the time. We cover them up. It's almost like we put a Band-Aid over them and we never really deal with it. Oh, come on, somebody say amen. It is true. And there's sometimes what has to happen is the Word of God's got to come and the Spirit of God has got to come and dig all of that junk out to make your heart like a brand new baby that's never been tainted by anything. So I felt led of the Lord tonight to talk to you about the brokenness of revival. Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Jeremiah 23 and verse 9. Jeremiah 23 and verse 9. If you're watching on live stream, I want you to get your Bible right now. Join us as we read the Word of God. I think it will minister to you. Jeremiah 23 and verse 9. Jeremiah 23 and verse 9. He says this, My heart within me is broken. Because of all the prophets. All my bones shake and I'm like a drunken man and like a man whom wine hath overcome. Because of the Lord and because of the words of His holiness. You see the manifestation of the Holy Ghost in His life because of the words of the Lord. Because of the word of God. People say, well, you know, when things start to manifest and people start to manifest, it brings a disruption. They say that it's the manifestation that brings the disruption. That's not true, it's the message that brings the disruption. Verse 10, for the land is full of adulterers because of the swearing of the land. It mourns. The pleasant places in the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil and their force is not right. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house I have found the witness, says the Lord. King David penned this in Psalms 119 verse 136. He says this, rivers of water run down my eyes because they keep not my law. See, there's something about the brokenness of heart. There's something about the Word of God and God coming to confirm the Word. Why? He's your healer. He's your deliverer. He's the way maker that makes a way where there seems to be no way. He reaches down out of heaven, reaches down deep into your heart, and He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up your wounds. It's the ointment that does that. It's the Word of God that does that. It's the mighty Holy Ghost that does that. Number one, the brokenness of heart. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 26, he says this, I will take out the stony heart. I will put in a heart of flesh. A new spirit I will put within you. We see this to be true with a broken hearted woman in the book of Luke, chapter 7. Go to the book of Luke, chapter 7, please. Luke chapter 7 in verse 36 through 50. Luke chapter 7 verse 36 says this, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat with the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And he began to wash his feet with her tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of their head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had been saw this, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known what manner this woman was. And that touches him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have something that I want to say to thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them he will love the most. Simon answered and said, I suppose to whom he forgave the most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said, Look, Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered thy house. Thou gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I've come in has not ceased to kiss my feet. For my head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say to thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom that little forgiveth the same loveth little. And he said to her, thy sins are forgiven you. And they sat at me with him and began to say within themselves, "Who is this that forgiveth sins also?" And he said to the woman, "Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace." What happened to her? The Bible says that she was a sinner, but when she found Jesus, she began to break. Her heart began to break over her sin, over her situation of all the pain, the abuse, everything that she was going through, just sitting in the presence of God. You've got to understand, this alabaster box of ointment was her inheritance. It was something precious to her. And because of Jesus, and because of his presence, and because of his loving kindness, and because of his mercy, and because this was probably Mary Magdalene. And the Bible says Mary Magdalene was the one he cast out seven devils because she was a prostitute. Wow. Can you imagine the pain, the sorrow, the abuse the rejection, all the hurt, all the sorrow in her heart and finding Jesus, the master who loves unconditionally, who loves your pain and takes it all away. She broke that box. It was something that was very precious to her. It was her inheritance. I think today... You know something that back then it cost about a year's wages and a year's wage. Well, a year's wages today is about what? Thirty thousand, I guess. That's a year's wages. That's the average. So we could say that it, in other portions of Scripture it said it was a year's wages worth a year's wages. So we could say that was thirty thousand dollars, and that was her inheritance, and she gave that up. Why? Because Jesus got to her heart. See, there's something about the heart that moves the hand of God. See, Matthew 6 21, like I said to you, where your heart is, there your treasure is also. We see this in the book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 23. And when Jesus passed over again by the sheep of the other side, much people gathered unto him and was drawn nigh into the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the synagogue rulers, Jairus by name, and he saw him and he fell at his feet. And he besought him greatly, saying, Master, my daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. What's happening? He took his prestige. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a religious leader. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't want anything to do with Jesus. So he had to humble himself. Why? Because his daughter was dying. Isn't it interesting how he approached the Lord? With all of his garments. He ran to Him and he fell at Jesus' feet. What happened? His heart was breaking because his daughter was dying. There is something when you open up your heart and God reaches out of the heavenly realm to reach down deep and He pulls out all the pain, all the sorrow, all the disappointment, everything, and suddenly He heals the brokenhearted. He heals a wounded soul. how much pain do you have in your heart tonight how much disappointment do you have maybe over your children over your grandchildren over people that hurt you stabs you in the back dealing with unforgiveness dealing with bitterness dealing with resentment we say we want god to do something deep within our hearts We cry out for the deep cries to the deep of God, but do we really become vulnerable enough to open up our hearts to allow God to reach down and do something deep, do something great? Sometimes there's got to be a place where you consecrate yourself to holiness. You decide, I'm going to do whatever I need to do. Listen, I made a statement the other night. I said, "How can a fire of God fall on an empty altar? The altars of the church in the United States of America. A lot of big churches don't even have altar." calls we have to be very careful in these last days that we have some connotation of what we think really what god wants to do i think we ought to just let him move however he wants to move whenever he wants to move however he wants to do it i think we ought to take the limits off amen I think we should have a good, strong balance between preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, and allowing the Spirit of God to come and move among us, however He wants to do it. But we should allow Him to move among us. You cannot tell me that your spirit man is not crying out for something deep, for something even deeper. Sometimes God just wants to bring a change. Other times, He lets you move by faith within a change. Sometimes He just reaches down, and He comes and He pulls things out of you. Other times, He may leave certain things so that you can believe Him as you're working your salvation out with fear and trembling. Sometimes you just got to pour your heart out. Pour your heart out to God. I believe tonight we're going to come to this altar. And we're going to do a self-examination. Who shall ascend under the hill of the Lord? Those with a pure heart and clean hands. Are our hearts clean, God. All our hands clean. Where do we hear messages on repentance? Where do we hear messages of getting your hearts right? Truly, we're living in the last days. Because there are individuals who preach cotton candy messages that tickle the ears of the hearers. Messages about, you're the best you now. This is your best moment. What the heck? If this is the best and all it gets, get me out of here. (laughs) Hello, somebody. My God, if this is all it gets, this is all we get. Holy cow! Buddhist Indian just said that somewhere in India right now. He, just said, he said holy cow or something. Sometimes we just got to do a self-examination. Self-exam- like I said, Charles Finney said this, if we can learn to break ourselves down, if preachers can learn to break themselves down, what does it take? Humility. You got a Pharisee of a Pharisee who is a religious leader, in the synagogue, come on, his daughter is dying and he runs with all of his garments and he falls prostrate in front of everybody? The Pharisees and the Sadducees hated Jesus. He was taking a big risk that day. Excommunicated out of the temple. Sometimes we have to do a self-examination. Did you know that we cannot hide from God? That He knows the hearts of men? In the book of Jeremiah 23 and 24 it says this, Can any hide himself in the secret places that I should not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? No, He knows exactly where we're at. He knows exactly what we do. He knows exactly what's in our heart. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon one's heart. And I've said this to you before, if the heart is the root of the problem, that is where God does His greatest work. It's in the hearts of men. You can't even get born again unless you open the door of your heart. Number two, there's a rending of one's heart. Number one is the brokenness of heart. Number two is the rending, the rending. In the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 12, it says this Therefore also now, says the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Rin your heart, not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious, he's merciful, slow to anger, great in kindness, and repenteth him of evil. Did you know the Lord himself repents? The word repent means to change your mind or a change of heart. Verse 14. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering, a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bride groan forth from his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare thy people O Lord, and give not thy heritage a reproach that even the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore thou shalt say among the people, Where is their God? Do you see that today? Do you see that the world is saying, Where is your God? Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? Could it come down to just a condition of one's heart? Absolutely. If he's loving and if he's merciful and he's kind, then He will come and He will bring fresh fire upon you. He will pour out healing wine. He is the balm of Gilead. I'm telling you right now, He'll pour in the oil. He'll pour in the wine. That's just who He is. But the world thinks that God is someone who's up there and smashes you every time you make a mistake. That is not the God of the universe. That is not the God we serve. He's loving. He's kind. He's merciful. And there are times that we just need to run to Him with every fiber of our being. We should not cover up or smooth over the conditions of our heart. We should pour out our heart like a drink offering unto God Almighty. Let Him deal with the disappointments and the pains and the sorrows. Let Him heal. Let Him pour it out. Not only is there a brokenness of revival, but there's a rending of one's heart. But also, number three, there's a humbleness. Sometimes we just have to humble ourselves. In the book of Isaiah 57 15, it says this, For thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also of a contrite and humble spirit. Watch this, contrite and humble spirit. Listen to these words, to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. We say we want revival. We want to see revival. But you know what? It's got to get to a point where we begin to deal with our hearts. Is my heart right toward God? Is my heart right toward my brother or my sister? Is my heart right toward my spouse? Is my heart right toward my boss? Is my heart right toward my children, my grandchildren, my siblings? Is my heart right, oh God? You, God, can only judge the conditions of one's heart. Jesus had to humble himself. He says this in the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. And he says this, Being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Unless Jesus humbled himself. Pride is something, folks. Pride keeps us all in bondage. There is so much God has done through it, for us through the cross of Christ. And, but there, and there's so much that the body of Christ is missing out because they don't know their legal rights. Come on, hello somebody. Amen. We don't really, really understand what the blood really did for us. But the blood of Jesus is sufficient. More than 4,000 years ago, right around there 3000 or so 3 to 4000 the israelites came out of egypt moses was type of a deliverer egypt was type of sin the israelites were in they were slaves god heard the cries of his people and he went looking for a deliverer he found moses Moses thought, I'm going to deliver God's people by my own hand. Killed an Egyptian soldier. Had to flee for his life. It was many, 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 many many years before he went back to Egypt. Many years. Moses had an anger problem. It was a condition of his heart. You have to understand that Moses was a Hebrew. He was brought up in the way of the Egyptians. All he knew was the Egyptian culture. All he knew was Pharaoh to be his father. And not only that, Pharaoh's son to be his brother. Can you imagine the day that he had to flee He went out into the desert, found a wife, became a shepherd. Suddenly he was out shepherding the sheep and suddenly he looked up and he sees this fire burning at a bush. Suddenly he walked over to find out what was going on and a voice came out of the bush. He saw the fire, but it wasn't consuming the bush. No, the bush was living because fire of God causes things to live. How do you know that? Because it burns up the chaff. It burns out everything in within your heart so that you can live. He's fuller soap. The fire of God cleanses the inside. Fuller soap cleanses the outside. He's a refiner's fire. Wait, listen, think, things live in the presence of God. Things don't die. Come on, hello, some of the things live in the presence of God. So suddenly, here he's having an encounter with God. Had to remove his shoes because the place was holy ground. He had to humble himself. Even Moses, which actually was this type and shadow of Jesus. Did you know that? Jesus had to humble himself. As a matter of fact, when you read Matthew chapter 25, the Bible says that Jesus went to the Lord three times and asked him, Can you take this from me? I really, really don't want to become sin. I really, really don't want to be whipped almost to nearly death. I don't know. Is there any other way can we do this? And then he said this, watch. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. There's something about pride and a person's will. Look what happened to Pharaoh. The plagues of Egypt overtook the Egyptians and Pharaoh. And the Bible says he hardened his heart even more. Even more. One has to humble themselves to kneel in church and even with all the eyes of the people looking on them. One has to humble themselves to lift their hands in church. One has to humble themselves to move out of their pew when nobody's moving and prostrate on the floor. One has to humble themselves to actually praise and sing praises in public. One has to humble themselves. If the Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion, when is the boldness going to rise up on the inside of us? The world is bold saints they will curse your God they'll drop the F-bomb in a parking lot and drive by and give you the digit when you cut them off in traffic many years ago we would preach these messages kind of messages and then suddenly I would ask people let's just come to the altar let's pour our hearts out and, and my wife, Pastor Marie, went in a meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And suddenly she's standing there and she says, I seemingly I didn't know that anything was really wrong with my heart. I thought it was fine. But she said this, out of obedience, I took a step forward to go to the altar. She said, as soon as I took a step forward, God revealed to her something that was hidden many years ago in the chamber of her heart. And God got that out. Sometimes we cover and cover and cover. We sweep things underneath the rug and we never really deal with them. But if the deep cries out to the deep of God, if God wants to go deeper in you, He's got to deal with those hard issues on the inside of each and every one of us. And pride can stop that deep from going deep. We say we want revival. Holy Ghost, genuine revival. But there's something got to happen to go deep on the inside of us. Are you all doing okay tonight? Praise God, amen. Revival is an issue of the heart. And you deal with those things. And you lay those things on a fiery altar. God will (laughs) come and consume them. And you find yourself that something that you've been trying to deal with and get rid of for years and years and years. And you just couldn't do it. But man, because you humbled yourself and you laid before the throne of God and you came to the altar of God and then the fire of God fell. And God took that out of you. And suddenly when He's finished, you're like, man, that burden's now lifted. May it never come upon me ever again. Amen. Humbleness, humbleness. There's a letter written to the church from Pastor James. James 4 1 says this From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even your own lust that war within your member? The battle the, the Apostle Paul said that we would fight all the time is that which is in our flesh and that which is in our spirit, man. You see, within your spirit, man, you are perfect because Jesus is perfect and Jesus dwells on in the inside of you. But on the outside of you in your flesh, we are unperfect. We make mistakes. We succumb to the pleasures of sin at times. We, we live in a comfortable society. And sometimes we come conform more to the fleshly man on the outside than we conform to the inward man on the inside. And that's the battle that seems to go on on the inside of each and every one of us. Paul said this, Oh, the wretched man that I am, I find myself betwixt between two things. That which my flesh wants to do, and that which my created spirit man by the Holy Spirit wants to do. Oh, I feel the pool. And that happens every Sunday morning. Should we get up and go to church today? I'm tired. You work so hard. So hard. Oh, we've been going to revival for four nights. Oh, it's just so tired. I'm just so tired. So tired. Going out for four nights. I mean, at least, my God, they didn't go till one in the morning. I mean, he's been closing it down about 9, 930. Praise God. Amen. Kind of understands how the flesh can be kind of weak, but the spirit is willing. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Hello, somebody. Amen. Come on. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh, hallelujah. I guess it's just really a matter of priority. See, it goes all the way back. How hungry you are. How thirsty you really are. Hello, somebody. How hungry you are. How thirsty you are. There are people with their children that will go to basketball games and they will play five games on a Saturday, starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, and it doesn't finish till 10 o'clock at night. And they'll go, they'll just go, and then they'll get back up on Monday morning. Praise God. If it's a tournament, sometimes the tournament goes Saturday and Sunday, but they got to get up at 6 in the morning to go to work. They got to go to work or they'll get fired. It's a struggle within everybody's flesh. We want genuine revival. You're gonna have to put your flesh down. You're gonna have to crucify that sucker. Pick up the cross and follow Christ daily. Man, where is the sacrifice? Amen. Pick up our cross. You're soldiers in the Lord's army. Hello, somebody. Straighten up, private. <laughs> For us to truly live, we must learn to truly die. For us to truly live, we must learn to truly die. The book of John, chapter 12, verse 24, it says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. For you to truly live, you must learn to die. And I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about your flesh. Dying to your flesh. For a corn of corn... To fall into the ground, for it to bear fruit, it must die. John 12, 24, I'm going to read to you again. I'm going to read through 27. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corner of wheat... And die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in the world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there also you shall be. If any man serve me, he will honor my father. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but that which it caused to come unto This hour if you're really really going to truly live we must truly die and that is the hardest death you will ever die is to yourself that's the hardest death you'll ever die to yourself Number one, the brokenness of heart. Number two, the rending of your heart. Number three, the humbleness of your heart. Number four, we must die to live. Number five, the sacrifice of your heart. We do not sacrifice animals any longer. What God wants is a broken and sacrificial heart. Psalms 51, 16 says this, For thou desireth not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings the sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. The sacrifice of one's heart. And if you begin, even tonight, to do a heart examination, this final point will take place in your life. Once these things begin to deal with, then will come a healing of your heart. Second Chronicles 7:14 says this: "If my people who are called by my name, they shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their sins, then I will hear from heaven, and I will come and I will heal their land." Verse 15 says, Now my eyes shall be open, and my ears attend to the prayer that is made in this place. Matthew 13, 15 says, For these people's hearts have waxed cold toward me, their ears of dull hearing, and their eyes of closed. Listen at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with the ears, and shall understand with their heart, and they shall be converted, and I will come and heal them. See, we want to go deeper. We want to go farther. We want want to have revival. We love it when the times when the Spirit of God is poured out and we can get drunk and we can run and we can dance and we can shout. But sometimes that's just surface stuff. If we want to go to the place where the deep cries to the deep of God, that's when we've got to make a decision. God, I don't care what you're going to do. We say all the time, God send your fire. God send your rain. God send the flood. Do we really know? Do we really, really know what we're asking for? I understand what the old timers talked about when they said, the things of the world would grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Listen, if we are truly on the verge of heaven, if we're really on the verge of the rapture getting ready to take place, I believe God is trying to get the church ready. I think an awakening is coming. I think God is going to raise up preachers who will preach the truth in love, who will preach the truth in the word, and then the Spirit of God will come unprecedented in great power to convict, to heal, to deliver, to set free. Because if he's coming back for a Galatians chapter church, come on, hello, Galatians says he's coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. If he's truly coming back for that kind of church, then something's going to have to happen in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world for that to truly take place. If the former and the latter reign, if we're on the verge of the greatest awakening, the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God, then we, church, have got to be ready. Because the Bible says judgment begins in the house of God. And I'm not talking about earthquakes and famines and things like that. I'm talking about judging one's heart. Because the Bible says if you judge your heart, you will not be judged. It's an examination. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in the communion where it says, let a man examine himself. Do you know a lot of the church can't take this kind of gospel? Yet it's so simple, yet it's so profound, yet it's so understandable, yet it's so deep. It brings in a realization. For the church to be awakened, it's got to get out of its cell phone. (laughs) I don't ever do this in public. Ever. Never. Never. You want to know why? Because somebody's going to cold cock me. Take my watch, take my wallet. There's a guy in my neighborhood who walks his dog. He's in his. This how he walks boom, 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 boom. He's playing it on his phone. He I thought, my God, cars are passing by. He's not even looking or anything. You could come out of nowhere and knock that guy out, take his dog, take his watch, take his wallet. Take it. <laughs> I mean, my God, he wouldn't even know would hit him. If an awakening is going to take place, it's going to wake the church. Amen. And it's going to be radical, especially in the United States of America where we have everything. It'll be a radical awakening. God will have to do special miracles like he did in Athens, Greece through the Apostle Paul. Acts 3.19 says, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul that handkerchiefs were taken from his body. When you study that out, those special miracles that he did was people were sitting in his meetings who didn't have an arm and an arm grew out. People sitting in his meeting with no legs and legs and feet would grow out. Because in the in Athens, Greece, they 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 were full of so full of the demonic and so full of witchcraft. Listen, when Moses went to Pharaoh and he turned his staff into a crocodile, it didn't phase Pharaoh and it didn't even phase the sorcerers. Pharaoh was not even shocked. No fear, no nothing. He just turned to his sorcerers and said, boys, what you got? They turned their stabs right into crocodiles too. I told you the other night, last night I told you, if I lifted this up and threw this onto the floor and it turned into a crocodile, what would you all do? Most of you said they'd hit the door running. Praise God, eh? amen. if I picked this up and I threw it on the ground and it turned into a python, we would get the reputation, those are snake handlers down there. Don't go down there, church. There's snake handlers down there. <laughs> don't, don't go down there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Will it take those kinds of extraordinary signs and wonders to shake the church of the United States? Will it to shake society? Possibly. It's possible. Will God have his way? Absolutely. He will do whatever is necessary. I have to believe that before this thing is done and over when the rapture comes, God does get the most of humanity. I, can't be- I, I don't believe that most of humanity burns in hell. We're His most precious creation. There are preachers that will debate me on that. I have to believe that the harvest of souls totally outweighs those that go to hell. Can you say Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.